and welcome to the Bottom Up Skills Podcast. I'm Mike Parsons. I'm the Chief Executive Officer at Qualitants, and we continue this wonderful adventure into the world of design thinking. And today it's all about rapid prototyping. And boy, am I like the number one fan of rapid prototyping. And I'm so glad to have this moment to share with you what is for me one of the most powerful things I've ever learned in my career. And I'll tell you why it was so powerful when I discovered it. And first of all, shout out to Mr. Tom Chi, who really just blew my mind uh, some 10 years ago when he induced, introduced me to rapid prototyping and the work that he'd been doing at Google X. It was like a light bulb moment because rapid prototyping is the thing you can do before you build your product or service to work out what exactly your users like, what they hate, and to understand far, far better what really should be in the first release of your product. But I think it goes a bit further than that. I think what rapid prototyping really does is it shifts us uh, from guessing what should be in our product to knowing. You might not know completely and wholly, you know, look, let's be honest, you don't really know until the product's live. But what rapid prototyping does is radically shift uh, your understanding of what should be in your product through testing and learning with customers. So let's talk a little bit about what rapid prototyping really is. It's a very powerful way to test and validate. And it's very important because it will help you understand, have you created enough value in your product? Are you solving a big enough problem from the user's perspective? And you'll hear this so much in uh, design thinking. And in terms of my experience with design thinking, I cannot emphasize enough an obsession and like a, a complete focus upon the user and their world because it's so easy as creators, builders, and entrepreneurs to guess what might be a cool product or feature, but that so often ends in failure. It's all about testing, learning, and validating, and rapid prototyping is the thing. So let's take a moment to actually define what it is. Let's make sure we are all on the same page about rapid prototyping. So what it is, is it's this idea of creating a light version of your product or service. Um, and it can be, I mean, you could sketch it on a whiteboard, you could draw it up on paper, or if you're a bit more later stage, you can actually get out some tools such as Adobe XD or an Envision to actually build a clickable version of your prototype. Now, what's essential here is that whatever you choose as the form of your prototype, you want to move to a material form that is very light, quick, and easy because speed is of the essence when you're prototyping, hence rapid prototyping. The bar that you're looking for is to choose a form of prototyping, a material, um, that is sufficient in generating what we call sensory stimulus. Because if you generate the senses 
if you create an approximation of your idea and you can actually trigger a sensory response, you will get true feedback from your user. So rather than in a focus group, we say, hey, would you guys like, does this idea sound cool? If you're just asking the question, you're only taking a very early stage kind of measure or response of what people want. If you move them into direct experience where they touch, feel, smell, hear what this product might be, you shift them from guessing how they would like this product to actually giving you a more visceral response. And that, I can tell you, is magic. Now, rapid prototyping comes in a couple of different forms. I've tried to break it down into three major uh, types of rapid prototyping um, that's very applicable to creating brand new first-generation products. The first uh, thing you could do is you can do what I call a diagnostic prototype. Um, and, you know, that could be something like card sorting. Um, you know, you could even, uh, you know, do some shadowing of a customer as they try and get a job done. That that could be very helpful if you've got a complex uh, product or service or you feel like all of the surveys and interviews you did still haven't given you enough. You could go for more of a diagnostic prototype. The next thing you could do is you could create um, a moment or a little journey um, and you might just choose maybe onboarding uh, uh, into a new experience. You might try the moment of truth, like the key moment in your given uh, product or service, or you might try customer service support. You might just choose a little moment and try and sketch it and build it to see if this would be a viable and feasible solution. Now, lastly, the third type. So the first two, diagnostic uh, type of prototype. Uh, then you've got like uh, a moment or a journey prototype. The third one, and you, you would probably do these in order. The third one is where you get out your Adobe XD, your Envision, and you actually start moving pixels around and creating something that's clickable, but also starts to really take shape and feel like the end product. So these are the sort of three ways you could um, bucket your activities, uh, organize your activities in, in rapid prototyping, diagnostic moments and digital experiences. Now, at this point, I do want to let you know that we have a full dedicated masterclass to rapid prototyping. It's that important. And just pop over to bottomup.io. It's all free. Grab the masterclass and the slides because we go into way more detail than this. I'm just giving you a primer just to, you know, lay the seed, if you will. Okay, back to rapid prototyping. So, you know, I've given you a kind of a frame of what it is and some of the dimensions of it. Now I want to move into how you might do it. And there's a kind of four very essential ideas that will make your prototyping successful. First of all, we talked about this before, create the direct experience. Create a prototype that stimulates a sensory experience. So if you've got a product for college students that they would use in the dorm, either test in their dorm or create an environment like their dorm so that you can create the direct visceral sensory experience. This will help you so much. Okay, number two, validate the prototype 
by asking questions of the user. And once you actually have asked a few questions, then what you can do with the next round of users you test with, give them a task and see if they are able to complete the task. This is the essential mechanic to measure what you've uh, achieved in the testing and what you've learned. Now, you've created the direct experience, you're giving the users tasks so they can test, so you can test and learn about their task completion. Two more fundamental, fund, really important guys. Two more things. Number one, compound effects. When you do these tests in rapid prototyping, try and do as many tests as possible over the shortest period of time. I love to do two days so you can just plow through maybe eight to 10 sprints, hundreds of tests. You will be blown away by the level of empathy, understanding, knowledge, and and frankly, you'll be blown away by the confidence that you can now have in your product once you've seen that many tests with users. And frankly, just a quick aside here, I meet a ton of people who always say, hey, Mike, I'm working on this new thing. I want your help. I want your advice. And the first thing I will always ask them, how many times have you tested this with your audience? And invariably, if they're stuck, they've done insufficient amount of user tests. They've done insufficient rapid prototyping. Okay, so quick recap. Four key things to make rapid prototyping a success. Number one, create the direct experience. Number two, test and learn. Number three, make sure you uh, get these compound effects by testing as much as possible over a shorter period of time. What's the fourth? One of the most powerful things I discovered is you can prototype a product and you can prototype your marketing. And this one is a lot to do with marketing. Get users who have tested your product to actually advocate, share, pitch the product to new users who have yet to use it. Because then you can witness advocacy like in a little Petri dish. You can really test it and see how they talk about your product, what they perceive as the benefit, and what they draw analogies and comparisons to. So there you go. That is the fourth of the key things you need to do in order to make rapid prototyping a success. Now, what's really important about this is that you create this shift that I talked about earlier. We don't want to guess because, you know, if you think about at this stage, what is going to come next? Um, what is going to be your next big step? Well, you're going to have to decide what the primary feature of your product is going to be, where you're going to put all your effort and attention. And you don't want to guess the essence of your product or service. And this rapid prototyping will lead you to that conviction. And if you remember from the previous episode, we talked about the design challenges. Those are the missions that you have to use rapid prototyping for. So it is really, really important that you at this stage have really swung the pendulum from all that early stage optimism of wouldn't it be cool to create this new thing. Now we're getting into the business end of affairs. We actually know what users really want. And therefore, in the next episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about how to pick the primary feature. But the prototyping done at this early stage will shift you into knowing. And I can tell you, I have done this on such a crazy variety of products and on the marketing to launch those products. So 
just to give you an idea of why I am such a fan of rapid prototyping, why I believe in its power is because it takes out the unknown and the uncertainty that prior to discovering rapid prototyping, I was always like, we'd launch a big product and I'd be like, geez, I think it will be good, but I don't know. And that's what rapid prototyping does. It fills in that confidence gap, that conviction gap. So I've been very fortunate and I really want to show you how versatile rapid prototyping is. I've built virtual reality products for Ikea. I've built new fashion lines for Levi's. I've even worked on a lung cancer detection system for General Electric. The point that I'm making here is this can work on anything. And every day I'm using this on consumer products, banking products, you name it. The versatility of rapid prototyping, I truly believe anything can be prototyped. For Procter & Gamble, I even prototyped an algorithm, if you can believe it. That's how powerful this practice of prototyping is. So if you're really excited about that, you can go and see how it works in the overall design thinking process in our masterclass at bottomup.io. And while you're there, if rapid prototyping sounds good to you, we even have a masterclass, a dedicated series uh, to rapid prototyping. So go and check that out. All right. That is the world of rapid prototyping uh, in the shortest amount of time possible. I hope you leave this show knowing a bit more about how to prototype and validate your product. And I truly invite you to discover the power of rapid prototyping. All right. That is uh, another episode of the Bottom Up Skills Podcast. That's a wrap. 